one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to a Super Bloom podcast. My name is Candace King. Oh, talking about my favorite thing to do today, and that is travel. I love traveling. I love it. I love it so much. I just spent the first couple weeks of this new year planning out a trip to Paris. And no, it's not it's not a solo trip, so that even though I love solo travel, which is what we're going to be talking about today. But I just love vacations. I love vacations. And I know that some people vacation by just like getting out into the world and just like, you know, just walking around places with no agenda or like sitting on a beach and not moving for days. And I respect that. Me, on the other hand, I'm an itinerary kind of person. Like I need to know I will have lunch reservations, brunch reservations, dinner reservations. I will go ahead and pre-book my museum tickets and I'll have time tickets. Like I, just as much as I love traveling, I love planning a trip. So, and I love talking about traveling and these are all my favorite things. And that's what we're going to be talking about today with Adrian Ben. Adrian is a solo female world traveler, dream and storyteller 
double dream, and she hadn't stayed in one place for years. And then the pandemic hit in 2020 and completely changed the way that she lived her life and all of us really. But when your entire life is about like traveling the world and getting to the next destination and then suddenly you just have to stand still, um, it can really make you think about what you're doing with your life. Um, So she's going to talk a little bit about how she handled that and specifically the creative project that resulted from that time. And it's a narrative podcast about two women racing each other around the world in the 19th century. The podcast is called A Race Around the World. It is such an adventure. And my favorite part about it is that it's a true story. This is real. It is historical fiction. It's so fun. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear more about this true story that inspired Adrian to write this narrative podcast. But before that, we're also going to jump into um, both of our passions for traveling. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Adrian Fenn. How long have you lived in Brooklyn? Oh, my God. I think I just celebrated my eight, seven or eight years, somewhere around there. It kind of all blurs into one long day at a certain point when I feel like you've lived in like one place for a really long time. You're like, didn't I just do that? And you're like, no, that was in 2016. Uh So I moved here in 2015. So whatever the mental math is of that, whatever the girl math of that is, whatever the girl math, like emotionally, I feel like I've been here for 50 years, but I Uh think like technically it's been like seven or eight years. Well, there's also girl math and then also like on the road math, like traveler math, which I'm sure truly plays into like how long you've lived lived somewhere because absolutely with your lifestyle. I'm assuming that the idea of living in one place, it's like hard to conceptualize. Like, did I live there? What I was I just visiting? Did I just have a home address? Totally. There? I actually have like a better sense of like time if it is broken up based on where I have traveled. So like the times that are really crystal clear for me are when I'm like, I can tell you down to the day of like when I was in and out of New York, if I had been like traveling, but this whole like extended just like sitting in one spot for a long time. I'm like, who knows? I just yeah. have been here the whole time. You know, what is time after 2020 anyway? You Honestly, know? Like, I have no what? idea. But there for sure is like traveler math. One of my favorite. One of my favorite travel books is by Bill Bryson, and it's this beautiful travel memoir history. He's very funny and it's called A Sunburnt Country. It's about him exploring Australia. And he writes about how like By traveling from New York to Australia, he bounces throughout so many time zones that he's like, my cells were in a time zone, but I don't actually know (laughs) what day it was at any point during that journey. And that like, for sure, when you travel, the sense your sense of time gets really warped and you're like, oh, wow, this really is a construct that we like. We like being attached to, but it's not real. You know, but it's not real. And I, I'm always reminded that of daylight savings time, which happened not too long mm-hmm. ago. And, mm-hmm. you know, you really feel it. I think everybody feels it, obviously, when we're in this time of the year and you look outside and it's like 430 in the afternoon and you're like, why is it nighttime? Yeah. Why is it dark? Like, yeah. What's wrong with you? Yeah. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> but like kids have no sense of that. So they're they're just like no. up on their own kind of internal clock. And we're all just along for the ride if you have any children. But but it is such like we we grip onto like the day and time as if it really 
means something and live by it. Totally. But in reality, it doesn't. It It's it just doesn't. whatever we decide it is. <laughs> I was no, absolutely. I was in a hostel once in Guatemala. And one of the guys who had been living there for a minute, he was saying on how like there was supposed to be like a big Saturday party. And he's like, we're all traveling here. Like, why are we still allocating like party time to Saturday? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. And like Sundays, like the reset, like even the concept of like an individual, like today is Tuesday and therefore Tuesday has a different meaning than Wednesday, you know, yeah, totally different energies. So it definitely just makes you question pretty much everything uh-huh. that you're raised with. So there for sure is like, I fortunately I do not have children. I don't know why I said fortunately. This is you can say fortunately. My... You can say okay, absolutely great. fortunately. At this moment, at this moment, I am a very maybe baby kind of a lady. So in this moment, and I do think that like it is. I have a lot of freedom that people who have children don't necessarily have, and that's like in this time in my life a little bit more prioritized. But yeah, the children clock, my sister, I have two nieces and my sister will text me at like 530 in the morning. And I'm like, I didn't even know this time existed. Like, <laughs> how? Why are you awake if you're right on a now? Mountaintop, like, yeah, that's the only exactly like, you should be going to bed at 530 in the morning and like some, after some amazing party or you should exactly. be like on some mountaintop watching the sunrise. Those are the two, 100%. the only two reasons to be up at that time. Exactly. I need to be going to an airport. Like, that's why yeah, I'm exactly. awake right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Were you always a traveler? Because I love just like I am a solo traveler. I love traveling mm-hmm. by myself. I have been a very big advocate of it for a very long time. I also know with that comes like I've traveled places alone, which are probably a little bit more safer. I haven't gone like super adventurous in my solo travels, but still mm. like not everyone feels comfortable doing that or are usually question like, well, who do you talk to and what do you do? And I'm like, you make friends and it's just really fun and you get a little lost mm-hmm. and then you learn about yeah. yourself. And it's this amazing <laughs> experience. Most of my friends that have gone on to do that do not like it. And so I think it's very lovely to meet someone else who loves to travel by themselves. Were you traveling mm-hmm. a lot as a kid? Were you tra- Was this something? What was your first solo travel experience? Yeah. Great question. I definitely did not travel at all as a kid. Like we were not a Disney family. I grew up in upstate New York in like the Hudson Valley area. And our vacation was to go just deeper into New York and hang out in the Adirondacks for a week. Like that was every single third week of July. That was all we did. And I love that because I love as an adult now having like a very nostalgic attachment to one magical place. But the first time I definitely had that like urge to go in a way that I couldn't really articulate until I booked the first ticket. And I was really, really lucky to have an amazing study abroad advisor when I went to college. And she was like kind of my spirit guide for a few years. Like she really kind of told me like, oh, if you like this place, you'll like this place too. And I knew I wanted to go abroad, but I didn't want to like, I don't know how to say this, but like I didn't want to go to Paris for such a long time because I'm like, well, everybody kind of goes to Paris, you know, like everybody goes to London. And I just wanted something a little different. So I went to Prague in the Czech Republic and I have heritage there. Yes. Okay, great. You know, you know, Prague. Yes. And it. it really I feel like my brain 
was like the Grinch's heart at the end of (laughs) that. Like it grew in three sizes. Do you know what I mean? Because it was just like, oh, my God, I had never experienced a place so old before, like other than the woods of my like upstate childhood, which just didn't have the same feeling. There's something very different about like being in a city and being in like an old city. And you can really kind of feel the concentrated energy of people who have been there for thousands of years. And like thousands of people have walked on these like windy cobblestone streets that have nothing to do with your life. And you will never know them. They will never know you. And thousands of people are going to be doing that after you. And so it just completely put my 19 year old brain into a whole new perspective of like, what is the world? And I feel like the thing that I really loved from that experience, so I was there for about five months and I just loved being able to explore and do exactly what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. Like I had made a handful of friends from the study abroad program, but there was just something about like being able to, I would take these long walks from one end of Prague to the other where my school was. I was like, I was living, if you know Prague, I was living like right behind the castle. And then my school was like closer to the astrological clock. So I would take these long winding walks. And if you've ever been to Prague, honestly, people are like, oh, Paris is so beautiful. Prague, Prague Paris is have so anything. beautiful. It's Prague stunning. Is stupid. It's like the it's fairy insane. tale, Rococo, like buildings are lavender and there's just all these incredible it's like gothic architecture and romantic and pastels it's just like what is this place and i just loved being able to kind of find my way to my school and back without like this i didn't have google maps on my yeah, phone ask, do you know what i mean you? i feel like you and i are in the same i, I- am a I'm a 33 and a half. I, okay, yeah. So you're like a couple of years younger. I'm 30. I'm yeah. 36. So yeah. yes, this would have been at a time when like you're not like I'm trying to even think uh, when because I was 19 when I first went. Well, actually, when I experienced Prague and that, yeah, there was no we would go to Internet cafes. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like it, this all happened very quickly with being able to carry yeah. around a cell phone and like yeah. have your little walking emoji show you where to go. Like you used exactly. to literally have to pop into a restaurant to like buy something and use it, see if there's a Wi-Fi, if it even yeah. had it or go to an Internet cafe, print out like or write down where you were going to go on your little map. I I used exactly. to like wherever I'd visit, I'd get the little map books and have yeah. people like, draw where I was supposed to go. And then I'd save it at the end as this like little, yeah. lovely little like map of where I visited. And you don't do that anymore. It's all on the phone. No. It's on the phone. When I actually really love that because During another trip, I started being like, okay, I want to, I love people's handwriting. And I think that that's soon going to be a lost art, unfortunately. And I loved collecting all of these little things of like, of people's recommendations of places, of books that I should read and just like having their handwriting preserved at like a very specific time. Ugh, ugh, my, the romance in me is like the romantic in me is coming out. (laughs) But no, totally. I honestly can't even remember what I did. But I will say I do. And I don't. I This is a chicken or the egg. I do have a very strong internal compass. Like I remember my mom, you know, 
in the late 2000s, 90s would look at a map and be like, "Okay, I know where I'm going. And I was always like, how do you do that? Yeah. (laughs) So I definitely do have like a very strong that honed the internal compass of like figuring out subways or trams or city streets pretty quickly. And then having the boldness to be like, "Okay, I know I need to go in one direction. I want to take this street. Where is this going to lead me? Like, Prague is just such a beautiful city to have that very wandery experience. And I just from that moment on, I was like, this is I've just been chasing that feeling of like, yeah, I love feeling surprised and I love feeling just like ultimately that I can do it by myself, you know, like I don't need somebody else's hand to guide me on this. And so that has just been like, I think that's what I'm always striving for every time I go anywhere is like that sense of independence, which I also think like is not always something that I think things are changing. But I think especially for women, like that's not really encouraged. Like we want the strong, independent woman as long as like at some point you find a husband and you go down a very normal path. But it's just not something that's like totally encouraged all the time on that intense level. Yeah. Well, and then try and figuring out how to get anywhere and being on your own. And what do you and what if someone and, and it, there is obviously like a safety concern, you know, it's like be totally. be aware of who you're surrounding yourself with, what you're drinking, what you're doing. Like you ha- there needs to be a level of awareness. And I was really lucky totally. whenever I was traveling alone. I was lucky to always meet really wonderful women along the way. But I just have like I remember like this was after I'd already, it was acting, I was working on a show and we did like a press day in London and there was like a bunch of shows there and we all went out to lunch afterwards. And I had, we Mm -hmm. would always have like a couple months in between of like a hiatus uh, from work. And I would take that opportunity usually to travel. Sometimes I would have like a, like a convention that I would have to go to, like an appearance, a work appearance. And so I would take the opportunity in the weeks in between to just go bop around Europe. And in this point, I had like all this time to travel by myself. And and so I literally looked like I just looked up like bed and breakfast in Spain and then like picked a place on a map and was like, I'm going there. And I knew nothing about it except like it was an area in Spain and Galicia. And I was remember being at this lunch for this, like before I was heading out and there was this, uh, there's another actress and I'm not going to mention her name. She's definitely other people have maybe mirrored some of the sentiments that I experienced Mm. sitting across from her at this table. I'll just say that. But I said, oh, yeah, I'm I'm going. I'm just going. I'm going to go travel by myself. And I'm, you know, going to this bed and breakfast farmhouse in Spain. And she just was like, "Mm, I don't know. Like, are you sure you can do that? And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I've done it before. I'll, I'll be fine. She's like, I, I mean, you look like you just look like you could be. I don't know. Like you just look like really easy to be taken advantage of. And I was like, oh, and she's like, no, I just mean you look like really young, you know, because like I could do that. And I don't think anyone would like mess with me. But you I think you're like younger and yeah. I said, oh, cool. well, what, what, how, what year were you born? And she was like, 1987. I was like, oh, my God, me too. I was like, so <laughs> I think like you have brunette hair and I have blonde hair and that's the only difference. And I think I'm going to be fine. Thank you for your concern. But it, it's just 
this idea of like, wait, you're going to just go there and like do that. And even like I traveled to Scotland by myself last year and I rented a car and drove through the country and did all these like fun things. And yeah. And I'm like, yeah, because you can you can do that. And it's my favorite thing, I think, like to encourage other women to have that experience because it's like. I think even for what do, what do we what do they usually say in like a very typical gendered way? We we tell boys like, you know, go for it or like, you know, yeah. just don't hurt each other or whatever you say. But for girls, we always say, like, be careful, be careful, be careful. I do it to totally. my daughters. But like it, I feel like that gets applied to all these other things where you're going to miss out on all these great adventures. Like, you know, you can still be careful, but go out and explore the world. You're preaching to the choir. The number <laughs> of like varied microaggressions you get while being out in the world, especially places that are like, it's not like you're exploring the Rockies in Colorado, you know, like when you go to mm-hmm. some place that is so obviously far and you have to like figure out how to navigate everything. Like I've gotten everything from the like, oh, did your boyfriend let you go? Yeah, oh yeah. That was another one I got. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or when I'm out, like the thing that I really love, I think that something that has allowed all of my adventures to be very like lively is I you need to talk to people so you can be like, yo, I'm just a regular person. You're just a regular person. And I happen to be in your home and there's nothing threatening about me. You know, like Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to establish that like I'm not threatening, but I also have my wits about me. Like those are two very different dynamics. And that's just by like I chat with taxi cab drivers all the time. Like I know more Spanish because I like force myself to speak to them if I'm like traveling throughout Latin America. So the other one that I will get that I feel like I've gotten from a lot of taxi cab drivers is like you're so brave. And that's like, we don't say that to boys because they're expected to be brave. And you're totally right. Like there are risks with being a solo female traveler. And I think that I have personally found in my lived experience that people are much more protective than predatory. And like, I have found that in conversation with other solo female travelers because people know what the worst is for women And I really believe that, like, in my lived experience, the default is like, I need to make sure that you're okay, and that, like, you do have your wits about you. So, like, it is a microaggression that does unfortunately come from, like, a very concerned place. But it's just so much more of a statement of, like, well, we don't encourage women to do this, so we can't trust that they will be able to handle themselves. And then when the worst does happen, because it can happen, those stories are so blown up and it's like, OK, just stay on your couch, just stay on your couch and like stay in the kitchen and be like the good little woman that you're supposed to be. It just completely defies everything that we expect for women to be able to do. So, yeah, but then the freedom and like the oh, my God, I can do this. And yeah. you meet so See, many more people when you are traveling alone because people are curious of you. Usually when I travel with people, like even if it's like a very close friend or a partner, people aren't they're not as inclined to like chat chatty. you up. Yeah. Not as chatty. And you're not as chatty because you're like yeah. this relationship is pretty important to me. And like 
I'm navigating this relationship while I'm navigating a new place. Whereas when you're alone, you're like, ooh, well, I can do whatever I want to do and I can chat with whoever (laughs) I want to chat with. And I think people are curious about you again because they're like, does she have her wits about her? Is she okay? You know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm also like, you know, if we were so concerned about women's safety, there's a there's a lot of laws we could be changing here in America before we like have a leg to stand on. (laughs) So 100 percent. Just to point that out. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now, for what I think is also interesting at this time is like we're talking about like I, I too was 19 when I was traveling a lot. There were definitely bloggers. There were travel bloggers at that time. But this is a whole new level of people being able to have a career off Mm. of like traveling the world. I think we're seeing this so much more now. And Mm -hmm. so for you, obviously you were like your brain grew three sizes and your, your travel (laughs) intuition and your drive to like be travel the world and experience the world kind of began at 19. Did you just keep on traveling or at what point were you like, maybe this could be what I do for a while. And this doesn't just have to be for passion. This can also be an actual business and a career? Yeah, great question. I definitely was a lost little lamb for my early 20s. Like I graduated college and I didn't, I had no idea what I wanted to do career wise. And everybody was moving to, I went to school in Westchester. So everybody was moving to Brooklyn. And I knew that that was inevitable. Like I knew I would end up there someday. And I was like, I think I want to get a little bit more travel out of my system. So I did a big backpacking trip throughout Europe and I it just like made the brain even bigger. And I was like, this is all I want to do. 
But it took me a few years to even realize that that was actually the thing, because I think for me, like, I love traveling, but who I am as a person is a storyteller. And it did take this is so eat, pray, love. But I also have issues with like, sorry, wait, I'm censoring myself and I'm like shaming myself in the moment because I'm nervous that people are going to be like, oh, this is so eat, pray, love. But I have a feeling like people make fun of eat, pray, love because we don't take women's independence seriously and we don't take female exploration seriously. So I'm just realizing I am doing that to myself in real time. (laughs) So... (laughs) Aren't we just so good at it? Yeah, (laughs) just it doesn't. Yeah. So I bounced around. I did an AmeriCorps program out in Portland, Oregon, because I was like, maybe I'll be a social worker. And within the first six weeks, I was like, this is the last thing I want to do. And that was a great learning experience. And during that time, I fell into a relationship that was not a healthy dynamic. And my escape hatch was oh, well, maybe if we go to Mexico, like things will improve. Like maybe we should maybe we should take a trip. And it wasn't until I crossed the border that I kind of understood the concept of boundaries and that like, oh, this is actually like a very unhealthy relationship. He was not very nice to me. And we ended up parting ways. And I went from Mexico to Peru by myself. There was this like creative river in me that I didn't know where it was flowing. Like I have an acting background. I did a lot of music and dance as a kid. Like I always knew performance was that was always my default. But I didn't want to be an actress because I just was like, I don't think I know who I am. And I keep playing all of these roles like I need to figure her out first. So I was super obsessed with podcasts at the time. And I just remember sitting on this like gross carpet in Portland, Oregon, where I was living with this guy who was not very nice to me. The place just reeked of like weed and stale beer. And I was like, I want to get out of here. And I just remember looking down at my iPad and opening up GarageBand and being like, well, I can make a podcast, which is a very novel idea for anyone in like the early 2000s or like 2010s. I was so original, but I knew that I couldn't travel to Latin America without making something. And so that was kind of how I created my first season was I interviewed people that I met while I backpacked all the way down from Mexico to Peru. And it was more that I loved I loved the storytelling aspect of it. I loved meeting new people. I loved hearing their stories. I loved crafting my own stories. And travel happens to be the vessel that I do that through. And I think that travel is a very interesting, like, lens to experience the human condition through. Because when you do go out and travel, like, you kind of quickly learn, like, oh, we're all kind of striving for the same things. Like, We want to go home to a nice home and a warm meal and we want good company and we want purposeful work. And that is a simple that's a grand simplification of the human condition. But that is something that you're like, oh, if I can connect with people on that level, then I feel like I can kind of connect with anybody. And like everyone is nuanced and has their own motivations and traumas and joys and all of that. So being able to kind of like see both at the same time was like something I loved so much. So for me, it's more like, well, this storytelling thing is all I want to be doing. And I love doing it through travel. 
What is there an episode from that first season and someone that I mean, do you would you just like start talking with someone and say like, hey, can I record this conversation? (laughs) Yeah, I would. I would definitely be like, well, I I didn't let like just anybody on my (laughs) podcast that I was making on a broken iPad while going through Latin America. But it was definitely much more like, oh, I'm on this. I'm in a bus stop and I'm chatting up this person and they're saying some really interesting things. Is there a time that I can like chat with them later? I would never be like, can I get this in recording right now? Like I would always kind of like suss out the person and be like, what is there? Is there an actual story here? And so, yeah, so for the most part, all of them are like they knew going into it that I was like going to be interviewing them about their travels or about their home and what it's like to be here in this, you know, what it's like to be in Kaycock or Belize and grow up there. So it was very much like sussing them out and seeing if they would be good tape, which is like such a producer brain that I wouldn't even be able to clock until like like six years later, you know, when I was like more in the thick of making shows. Is there someone, is there a specific interview that really sticks out from that, those early days that oh. still kind of like lives in your heart? That's such a great question because it's such a like early 20s. She's figuring out her life kind of a show like the first season. I haven't really like gone back and listened, but I think it's important to like I know. How do I want to say this? Like. I haven't gone back and listened because part of me is like, oh, I'm going to like cringe. Like, I'm I'm curious if you feel that way about like any of your earlier work where you're like, what am I doing? But she's striving for something. Yeah. And Ira, Ira Glass has this like infamous quote that every single podcaster has like up on their mood board, which is in the beginning, you're going to suck, but you're developing taste. And as long as you continue to develop taste, that's all that matters. So honestly, I haven't really... I haven't really gone back and listened to any of them, but I was so lucky to. So I went from Mexico to Peru and I was yeah, I was going to ask your route after this because I'm dying to travel more in South America. I've oh, been my God. To Belize, so I've been good. to Brazil. Nice. I've been to Mexico. I have been to Colombia and that's it. But I'm like dying to go to Argentina and I've been very I've only been to Rio and Brazil. I haven't been in many other places, but I'm dying for Argentina and Peru. Oh, you got Peru's incredible. Peru is probably one of the coolest places I've gone to. The people are so nice. They're so generous. And I found myself I was doing like workaways, which is kind of like woofing. Woofing is when there's this whole I don't know if it's like still alive, but woofing is you can work on people's farms on any place in the country, in the world that are like offering. So you can type in Argentina and be like, okay, what are some farms that are like right outside of Buenos Aires or wherever I want to go to? And you can chat up with these farmers who need extra help. And usually they like pay for housing and food in exchange for like you working a few like six hours a day. It totally varies. And work away was this one where it was like not farming, but like you could work in hostels. And like I worked at a I worked in a hostel in Ireland. I worked at a bed and breakfast in Turkey. I worked at a, a silent meditation in like the like woods of France in like southern France somewhere. So I wanted to. So that was like my first big trip. So I was very familiar with doing that when I was in Latin America a few years later. And so 
there was this chocolate shop that I really wanted to work at. And it was there where I met so many wonderful, again, women who were like, it was like all of these girls who were roughly around my age, who were from different corners of the world, Peruvian women, women from Italy, women from Canada. And we're all just like, it felt so good, like you were saying, to be in the presence of women who were also like, I'm just going to do it because like, that's what I want to do. And like, Mm -hmm. I have the means to do it and I'm going to do it. And so we're still in like a little group chat today. I visited all three of them in their homeland, like being able to go from this like really bad breakup in Mexico and then make my way down by myself and then be like, in the womb of these like women <laughs> who yeah. were just making chocolate and talking like local gossip. It was just very rejuvenating. And like I grew up with mostly women <laughs> and like like I have two sisters, big group of girlfriends. And I just felt so like, oh, my God, I can actually I can do this. You know, like I can figure out who I am. And those conversations were the ones that are like still the most special to me and we still yeah we still chat so it's very lovely I love that I also think that like everyone imagines when you go travel alone I mean you've listed so many countries just in just in the past couple minutes that you've experienced and been to but that everyone kind of pictures it like this rom-com where you're gonna like end up in a broken car on the side of the road with like sheep or like you know (laughs) you know and and then and then then a car drives by and splashes you with mud but just like those crazy days where like nothing goes right like do you have any of those in your back pocket where you look back and you're like that was the longest day and where was I and then all of a sudden there's always like some like where you're like how did this all work out in this beautiful way like what is what is that day that always pops in your head for you oh my god I have like a few which one do we want to like let me see let me see okay so when I was in the big Europe travel I was very lucky to do the end of my trip with one of my closest friends from college and she's still like the only person I actually really like traveling with. Like we both are very much like on the same energy and like we know mm-hmm. how to communicate with each other. And like if one of us is being like, Ugh, like we know how to handle each other. But for the most part, it's like we start talking and then we don't stop talking until we are like physically have to leave and go back to our homes. So Carla and I are I don't know how well I'm going to tell this story right now. Carla and I are in Fez, Morocco, and we are staying with this French couch surfer. And he but he's a couch surfer. How are you staying with him? He's no, no, he's our couch. surfer. he's like like we're you're couch surfing at his place. Yes, we are couch surfing with him and we Fez is like a whole labyrinth. Like if you think the streets of Prague are windy, like cut it in half and then try to move a bunch of donkeys through it with foot traffic at the same time. Like it is tight. It is not for the claustrophobic. And so we're wandering around Fez and we've been in Morocco for a little bit and we meet up with these two Polish women who like also didn't really. We met them on a bus. 
Carla and I met these two Polish women on a bus and their hostel was like closed or whatever. So our French couch surfer and I'm upset that I can't remember his name right now, but let's call him Pierre. Pierre was like, you can just stay at my place. Like he was so chill and like, just don't even worry about it. So it's me and Carla and these two Polish girls and we're wandering around the streets of Morocco and this this gentleman there's okay. I just I'm like, I don't want to go into like stereotypes, but like there's a hustle in Morocco. And if you are a blonde haired girl, like you do sometimes stand out like a sore thumb, like Mm -hmm. you're probably from Sweden or Stockholm or England or something. This gentleman tried to get us into his like leather. Leather is like a very big thing in Fez. So he's like, oh, I'll bring you to a tannery. And we're like, "Okay, we're a little sus. And so basically he brings us to the tannery and it's like, blood and guts and it's not like the smooth leather like nice aspects of this is fresh like this is a fresh kill you know Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it had it was eating grass 24 hours prior and so we were like oh we don't want to be here anymore this is not this is not what we thought we were coming to we don't eat it that organic you know what we can go back to the pleather it's fine (laughs) exactly vegan section (laughs) Yeah, where's the vegan section here? So we try to leave and the guy is like, you have to pay a fee in order to leave. And we were oh, like, yeah. uh, say, like, what are you talking about? And he was like thinking about it. The amount of money that he was asking for was not a lot. And that's something that like if he had said in the beginning, like, hey, you have to pay a dollar to get in and then you can like see everything. We would have been like, cool, great. But he basically traps us until mm-hmm. we like pay our money because we we're like, this was not part of the agreement. He spoke perfect English. Like, what is going on, man? Like, you don't have to hoodwink us. So we were like, no, we're not going to pay this because you did not tell us ahead of time that we have to pay this. So I like, uh, he's blocking the door. And at a certain point, that someone else like comes through the door. I grab Carla's hand. I like elbow the guy out and I like grab a Polish girl's hand and we just like, make a chain link like and run out onto the streets and like Fez is really windy it's really like the the main like labyrinth area is really confusing if you don't know where you are and we have not been like paying attention to like where we were going because we thought this guy was gonna like be with us the whole time so basically he like chases us through the streets like shouting expletives at us and starts slut shaming us just because just because it's an easy go-to. Oh my yeah. God. It's such an easy go-to. <laughs> it's such an easy go-to. So I run up to this Moroccan woman and I like, so I must've had like some kind of map or something. And I'm like, how do we get out of here? And she just like very quickly points us in like the way out. And this guy just like fumes off by himself. And we're like, what was that? Like, but it did not have to go this way at all. So then we're like, okay, let's go back to Pierre's place. And we get, we hire a taxi. And at a certain point, it's probably like a 15 minute ride. The taxi guy runs out of gas. And so he, he (laughs) pulls over on the side of a highway, jumps, hails a cab. He's like, stay there, stay here, stay here. And we're like, what is going on? So it's all four of us like packed in this car. And he's like, stay here. I'll be right back. And we're like, what is happening right now? So he hails a cab on the side of a, on the side of a highway, jumps into a cab. And we're like, what is this day? Like, what is, this is very, this is, 
wow, okay, this is a different experience. And so eventually he does come back with like a tank of gas and like we just carry along our way after we waited probably like 25 minutes for him. We were like, should we get another cab? But we can't leave this car alone. Like it was just uh, you realize that the world does not all operate on like the same frequency and that like Mm -hmm. each place has a very different pattern to how it is. And that like when you're in that place, you have to adapt to to that pattern because like it's not going to change for you, you know, so it's yeah, just like you can't just, fight the current. You cannot you can't fight, fight the it. current. You got to feel it out. So that one was like and then we went to Pierre's and we probably had like a lovely dinner and with him and all of his like local friends. And it was just like, oh, my God, there there definitely are moments where I think back on like some of my earlier travels, because I think when you're like I there's I did stuff I did traveling like as a 20 ish 22 year old you just have this like bold naivete of like it's gonna be fine you know and I would never do that now you know I would I wouldn't even couch surf now because I'm like I like a good bed and I'm a sensitive sleeper now but there definitely are days where I'm like how did I actually survive that those are the stories you tell your parents like six years out yeah, you know exactly. like so this one yep. time curl and i you know so that's definitely one of them but i've been like stranded on a actually yeah what a theme i've been stranded on a highway in mexico for like 18 hours i've like gotten my passport stolen like there's definitely the other it's not all wanderlust <laughs> you know like there are moments where you're like i actually really have to figure out how to get out of this and no one speaks my language right now but at the end of the day, you're like, after that, you're like, I think I can survive anything. You know, like even when the pandemic hit, I was like, we picked up and moved. And I was like, I know how to do this. You know, I was like not panicked by like having to readjust my life in order to accommodate the pandemic. Yeah, it's funny. Like moving has never been an issue for me. Like I've, yeah. I've really at this point in life, I've given up this idea of this is where I am and I have to have a routine and I have to have this. Like I am able to adjust to the current and the flow. Like it doesn't mean I don't get irritated by it. Like it doesn't mean that right now, the fact that I'm podcasting from a fort room, a mattress on the floor and I'm doing dishes in my children's bathroom sink. Like, am I kind of annoyed (laughs) by that? Sure. Is it going to be forever? No. Like it is a temporary, like, but also wherever you go, there you are. I think that that like, which were even when you were talking about like thinking that moving to a different place or going on a trip with like an ex or a partner or even, even in friendships, like you think like, oh, this will make it better. You know, it's like, I think that that's something that also comes with age is how like true that statement is is that you can try to change all these things, but wherever you go, there you are. It is still the same problems and the same shit from yesteryear. But I also think that like, yeah, getting older, there does become like, I I did the hostels in my like late teens, early 20s. You know, I'd stay wherever. And then now I'm like, I like a bed, you know, that's that's a young person's game. And that is totally, totally fine. But for the pandemic, you know, you'd made this career and this lifestyle of being able to travel all over the place. And this was also you mentioning that this is where like what ignites your creativity and your storytelling and like that's your art. And so to all of a sudden be in one spot, like was there how did that make you reevaluate what your kind of emotional currency had been kind of needing and living off of? Beautiful question. 
I felt very lucky that I got to live very close to my childhood home. My family, I was living in Brooklyn and I had just started seeing this guy who would later become my fiance. My family spread the tea leaves with the whole pandemic thing. And they're like, New York City is going to explode, you know, so like get out but you can't stay with us. And I was like, cool, 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 cool. Okay. So they did, they did like a big shout out and they were like, does anyone have like a pottery studio or a barn or a chicken coop with like, you know, electric and a bed? Like Adrian needs somewhere to quarantine. And she's also like, she's going to bring this guy with her. So I honestly found, and I know this is like, I think we're kind of at the part in the, after the quarantine of like, it was a very hard time, but there were these moments of like, there are just things like I would have never had that kind of family time if it weren't for the pandemic. So we lived close to them for about six months and they were in our little like pod. Yeah, you were constantly traveling before that. So it is to go from like one version of a lifestyle to a completely other version. Whiplash. Like, yeah. Whiplash. So I definitely found that like I was super sad. And like in the beginning, we were kind of like, how long is this really going to be for? Yeah. And so I still kind of corralled. It didn't really stop because part of me was like, OK, well, if I can't travel outside of America, I will travel within America. And I corralled my boyfriend, now fiance, to do a road trip. So we actually like kind of close to when the vaccines were Coming out, we took a road trip and we stayed in like an Airbnb in Arizona. And we did all of these like very cool, natural like Utah secretly is like the most wild looking state, like all of the red mesas and the like Bryce Bryce Canyon. It's just like all the hoodoos like it's just such a stunning place. We did the Grand Canyon and people were a little bit more like, OK, with I was okay to travel as long as like we were outside in fresh yeah. air, you know, yeah. and like we had the masks on the hikes and all of that stuff, which we know is like a bummer. But it definitely I think my brain just was like, OK, let's recalculate and let's see where you can travel in America. <laughs> and my fiance had never seen the Grand Canyon. So it like we did that. And it was really fun to be able to just I love it. I love a trip where you can see the evolution from one place to another. So like it was so much fun to go from like New York and the pines of like the Poconos and Pennsylvania to like eventually bleed into the Great Plains. And then there's the Rockies and you're like, oh, my God. So I just kind of turned it inward, I would say. And I still made stories out of it. And also, like, what is it like now to like as someone who is a solo female traveler, like what is it like now to travel with somebody who's like, I want to keep forever, you know, like, can I how does my relationship as with my independence adjust now that I have somebody that I'm like, Let's do this together, you know? Yeah. After he proposed, I still flew to Mexico City by myself like two days later. So it's he knows what he's signing up for. So that's just kind of been like, honestly, it was just a new chapter of like my 30s because my birthday literally happened on the day of lockdown in New York City. And so that was just kind of like, OK, it, travel is still here. But how is it shaping how is it going to like mold into something different that like your 22 yeah. year old self might not have expected, but like 
also you need to evolve with it, you know, and like mm-hmm. maybe I'll be a cruise lady someday. I have no <laughs> idea. I don't know what 50 year old Adrian is going to be like, you know. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I know, but it's like, it's interesting that like you either have it or you don't. Like I, I know I have it. Like I, it's funny to hear you say that like in my ex relationship, when I got engaged with my Mm ex-husband, I like two days later was on a solo trip for like two almost three weeks <laughs> like yeah I had a work trip that kept me there and I just was like well yeah. and I was like well yeah I really want to go on this like women's cooking tour in the south of Italy. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. you know why not but that is I've learned that that is just I thought maybe oh that's just a phase or like that'll totally. change but what's interesting is even like I you know last year I was like separated And it was my first time experiencing also like something that is just inevitable when you have a marriage that ends and you have children, which is you have shared custody. And so obviously getting into the emotional elements of that is a completely different podcast. But something that I had (laughs) to realize and that a lot of women who had been through divorce, I'm not the first one to do this. I'm not inventing the wheel. I know I'm not (laughs) special. This happens all over the place all the time. So a lot of people can probably probably relate to the fact that you suddenly have time on your hands, whereas like I, you know, was went from being like mom, 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 mom life to having a week where I'm like, well, what am I doing now? And where I would traditionally maybe have a nine to five. I don't work in a traditional nine to five setting. And so my jobs are a little bit more spread out. 
And I just found myself with this time and being like and and also having work that was taking me suddenly back overseas for like short increments of time. And I started traveling again and I started like walking cities on my own and like planning these other trips. And I feel like that is something that, you know, I, I found myself like, you know, sitting there being like, why, you know, this is something that is so important to me to be able to have that time where I, I'm not on my phone, where I know that my children that that I've brought into this world, I know that they are like taken care of and I am accessible to them in an emergency. But like I, I just realized how necessary it was for me to be able to like take a walk through a park and get lost and not know how to get out of it and then just sit in that feeling alone with myself yeah. for a minute. And that yeah. you should be able Like for me, I now know moving forward that I need that in any sort of relationship. Like I need to be able to go have those little mini adventures for myself, not with Mm -hmm. not even, you know, I can do that with friends, family, partners. But like I also need to be able to do that on my own because something it's like exactly what you're saying. It ignites something within myself. It fires different neurons in my brain that don't get fired otherwise and puts me in a position of like remembering the power within myself, like building up my confidence and like asking questions of the world that otherwise I just quiet down and say, no, 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 don't raise your hand and ask the world that question. Like you don't need to do that. The thing ultimately what I think took me a long time to figure out what I was chasing. And I I don't want to speak for you, but I'm curious if this is what it is. Is Mm -hmm. like I realized, especially after my like big breakup abroad that what I couldn't hear was my own voice. And Mm. when you travel, you don't have other people's voices around you. And like, it's important to have those voices. It's important to have your mom's voice there every once in a while. It's important to have other people's. But when you are lost in the park, it's just you. And it's just your own thoughts, but it's so much clearer and you can start to sift between, oh, that is my mom's voice or that's my kid's voice or that's my friend's voice. And this is my voice and this is what I want to say or this is what I need to hear. And I feel like that is something that like women aren't socialized to (laughs) have all the time. And that's why traveling alone is so threatening to the patriarchy. (laughs) But I do. I think that's like ultimately what it is, is like the beat, the ability to hear your own voice is the most. It's just it's a what is it? It's just it's not a currency, but like. It's just such an important thing to learn about yourself you know so yeah yeah I'm inherently like a people pleaser how are you is everything okay what can I do for you like I am such a people pleaser and I think that that's when I I can let that go for a minute is when I'm on my own and I can just exactly I I think you hit the nail right on the head I can hear my own voice um when so for you I also love I want to make sure that we get to talk about your narrative podcast as well Mm. that you wrote And it's about these two women that are racing around the world and traveling. But it's also in a different time. It's not necessarily historical fiction or is it considered historical fiction? I always get confused on that subject, Matt, on like naming that. I am confused as to what it is as well. (laughs) I wrote I wrote. So it is it is a pandemic project because 
part of me was like, well, how can I still talk about travel? How can I talk about solo female travel and physically be in one spot? So when I was quarantining upstate, my partner and I would just take these very long walks. And I was reminded from like speaking to another traveler about how in 1889, Two women were commissioned to race each other around the world. One went west, the other went east. And Wait, they so this are was both, a real thing that happened. This is a real story. This is a real story. And they're both trying to make it back to New York, their starting point, in under 80 days. And it's there's this one woman, Nellie Bly. And like most people know Nellie Bly. If you went to journalism school, you definitely do. And she is m- more known for... She broke herself in and out of an insane asylum a few years prior to yes, this story. Yes, to Most people yes, know her yes, from yes, that. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. yes. So literally, dude, the story behind like how that happened is amazing because she's from Pennsylvania. She gets a job being a reporter for the Pittsburgh Dispatch and she goes to Mexico City and she's like, oh, my God, I have all of these big dreams that I want to accomplish. And she got her company to pay her to go to Mexico City, too, which I like love. And she brought her mom, which I'm like, perfect. So Nellie Bly comes back to Pennsylvania and she's like, adios, I'm going to New York. I want to be a New York journalist. And this is in the 1880s, like Women don't have rights. Her mom had to her mom filed for divorce and like had to testify in court to a group of men why she wanted to divorce her husband. Like being a what women did not have voices. Oh, yeah. back and then. people like st- women still had to do that up until like the 50s or something like this wasn't that long ago when 100%. you didn't have to do that anymore, which is insane. Women didn't have women were not allowed to open bank accounts by themselves until the 1960s. Like, it's uh-huh. still fresh. So Nellie Bly, she she's like looking for a job. All of these in New York, all these editors are like, no, women can't run upstairs. You know, like women's writing is too flowery. And she's like, eh, women are hysterical. This. Yes, <laughs> truly. So she's like, let me use that hysterical thing. And so she gets robbed like six months after moving to New York. She gets robbed and then she just goes down to the New York world, which is owned by Joseph Pulitzer. And she's like, give me a job. Give me a job. Give me a job. Give me a job. And they're like, okay, can you break yourself into an insane asylum and write about the conditions? And she's like, yeah, when do you want me to go? Like right now, let's do it. So she just like, the thing I love about her is that anytime someone said no to her, she always found a way for them to say yes. And she just never took no for an answer. So a year goes by. She has this idea to race around the world. And literally the first response is, ugh, I mean, it's so dangerous for you as a woman. Like, also, aren't you going to have, like, so much baggage? Because, like, ladies have so much stuff to bring. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so she's like, F this. So a year goes by and... Pulitzer wanted like a longstanding piece. There was a dip in his sales. Other people were thinking about doing this around the world idea. And he's like, well, what would sell more papers than a man going around the world? Right. So Nellie Bly has 56 hours to get ready to go to London. She's going to sail east. She brings one grip sack because she's literally like, F this. I'm going to I need to like have a light, a light bag in order to like in case I need to like sprint from one transfer to the next. So she's like, 
I'm gonna do this and I don't care what you say. So on November 14th, Nellie Bly casts off towards Europe. She takes a steamship to London. And while she's leaving the New York Harbor, the editor of Cosmopolitan magazine, like the 90 calorie cocktails, you know, that we know today and like, you know, best blowjob. Yes, that Cosmopolitan magazine was back in the 1890s. So it used to be this like Christian magazine which (laughs) is beautiful it's just beautiful what the evolution of it has been and so the this new editor john brisbane walker had just purchased it he wants to rebrand it and he has a collection he wants it to be like i think what more of like a harper's magazine would be of like Uh it's published once a month it's about social uplift and personal essays and all that stuff and he has hired this like Southern Belle Elizabeth Bisland. And Elizabeth Bisland is a poet at heart. And she also like pulled her bootstraps up and became a New York writer. She was originally from Louisiana, moved to New York to become a writer. And she has just gotten this like more consistent job working for Cosmopolitan. So John Brisbane Walker is reading the news that Nellie Bly, this woman Nellie Bly has just like embarked on this around the world trip and he's like i have my own woman like it's like a binders filled with women kind of a moment of like i got a lady like let's send her (laughs) so he sends he plucks elizabeth bisland out of her bed as she's planning a tea party for the next day and he's like quick question how fast can you get ready to go to san francisco like tonight like it's 6 p.m Cool. Like, it's honestly one of the craziest sentences any human has ever said to another human, in my opinion. So she's like, I have a tea party tomorrow. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, this is not I don't want to do this. And he threatens to fire her. And she's like, fine. I'll. But this is a time women don't have voting rights. There's no vaccines like penicillin isn't even a thing. And like cholera, typhoid areas the bubonic plague is still like popping around and she's like you want me to travel by myself around the world like are you like are even our like ideas of maps were still a little imperfect (laughs) you know and she but she does it and I love her and I respect her so much because she gets on the train she heads to San Francisco and the magic of this story is that both women like are such different ladies like Mm -hmm. Nellie's like hard hitting journalist. She cares about stakes and characters and facts. And Elizabeth can write a poem about the frost she sees on a window on her train going through Nebraska, like just two completely different perspectives. And they both go to the same spots. So like as a writer, like the fastest way around the world is the same if you go east or west. So there is this moment where they cross each other and then we as listeners get to like re-experience these same places, but from two very different perspectives. Oh, I love them. And so I just love them so much. Like I am just so and they are the thing that like so called to me about this story is they both wrote their own firsthand accounts, which is where I rely heavily on the research of it. But I say based on because I am inferring a lot of their feelings, but I know what it feels like 
to be super far away and be like, oh, my God, I love the thrill of being in this new place. And then the next day you feel super homesick. And then the next day some random guy proposes marriage to you. And you're like, what (laughs) is going on? Like, (laughs) you know, so like I definitely write their feelings based on my own personal feelings of like being out there alone. But it's so similar, even though it happened 134 years ago. So I just love them. And I want other people to love them. And what's sad is that like the term around the world in 80 days is like still in the zeitgeist. But we have forgotten the two women that actually did it. You know, they were women. Yeah. And they were women at that time. Yeah. And still having the same rhetoric thrown at them about women traveling that we get today when you want to do (laughs) solo travel around the world. hundred percent. But also the beauty of like what where we started, which is like putting yourself in a position where you're walking the streets that have that so many others have walked through either for pleasure or purpose and and feeling a sense of their story and that now becomes your own and I feel like that's the magic of of traveling the world in general and I know it's a privilege not everyone gets to do it but if you have the opportunity take that because it is a privilege and if you're able just go and do it because you then you collect those stories and they're with you forever. I usually love a little conversation cool down. And so I would normally be like the first thing that kind of pops into your head for anything. And by the way, I also want to highlight, I know I mentioned the the podcast in the A block, but the podcast is available now for everyone to listen to. Yeah, the race has started. Mm-hmm. They're out there. They're out in the world. They're out in the world. Well, I want to ask my little conversation cool down. I have five questions and have it all yeah. pertain to traveling, if that's OK. So, Adrian, what is something that you like about traveling? The first thing that pops in your head, it can be the, I, I like, the simplest thing. I love finding no, like. It's just like, got to be like, not love. OK, not I love. I like. OK, we're not to love yet. I like finding the subtle differences between how people do the same thing in different places. So just like architecture is one where it's like, yeah. oh, this is a building, but this is a completely different way to make a building based on the resources that you have available to you. So I love, I like the nuances. What is something you know when it comes to traveling? I know that the world is more protective than predatory. What is something you hate about traveling? <laughs> I hate the anxiety that I get that I'm going to miss my transportation. I hate that. Mine is always the train. I'm fine on a plane, fine with a car. It's always a train. Like I have, I will get to a train station so early and just sit there and I will not go to the cafe because I'm just so paranoid because they they only stop there for like a minute. It feels like I'm always like rushing onto the train. That's fair. That's fair. They really do give you like a moment when the doors open and close. (laughs) No, you're totally right. And my anxiety definitely peaks more around flights, but I think it's like it just takes so much more energy to get to an airport. Yeah. Then if I'm if I miss it, then it's like, oh, my God, there goes an hour and a half that it just took me to get here. So, yeah, I don't know. What's something you love about traveling? I love so many things. I just love feeling free. Forgetting that time exists. I feel, yeah, yeah, it's like. It all goes out the window. Yeah. It's so nice. I would normally ask like what a quirky little fact about you is, but I'd rather mm. ask like 
what is your favorite travel hack, like your quirky travel hack? Living out of a backpack, like knowing how to live off of the only things that are in your bag. Mm-hmm. I can do yeah. it with a carry-on. I've done a carry-on in yeah. multiple countries and multiple work trips for like two weeks. Yeah. Usually I need a usually I need to check a bag if it's more than two weeks. But yeah. I've been able to do that with a carry-on, but not a backpack yet. I mean, this is my 22-year-old self who was like, but still, I don't need anything. Yeah. You know, <laughs> now, for, now I definitely check a like at least a sizable bag if I'm going to be anywhere for like a month or so because I want to grab stuff too. I know that's and I was, where, yeah. I was very much of like the Nellie Bly perspective when I was younger of like, I don't need anything. So, but I do, there is something very invigorated, invigorating about like just having your home on your back. Like you are a turtle now and this is, <laughs> this is all that it is and you can survive off of it. Yeah. Yeah, we really don't need much. You don't need much. We really don't need much. I know. That's what I learned, too. I'm like, wherever I go, they have everything I need. Like, totally. forget a charger, you forget a toothbrush, guess what? It's going to be there. It's there. It's not a big deal. That is the beauty of globalization. Yeah. That is. (laughs) (laughs) If there are any benefits to it, that is, you know, shampoo (laughs) being in Vietnam, that is a guarantee. Yes. Well, Adrian, I hope that you and I cross paths as we travel around the uh, world. Thank same, you so Candace. much for your time today. It's so this lovely was a to meet you. Delight. A Super Bloom podcast is hosted by me, Candace King, produced by Melissa D. Mons and Diamond Imprint Productions, edited by Diane Kang, post production sound by Coco Lawrence, and advertising partnership with ACAST.